28. Let me only read verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So far, who Christ is in the light of the resurrection, who Christ is in the light of the resurrection, four thoughts. He is the second Adam. As you can see in the verses 21 and 22. Secondly, he is the first fruit, so to speak, the first fruit in the verses 20 and 23. In the third place, he is the only king in the verses 24 through 27a. And in the fourth place, he is the father's subject. As you see in 27b and 28. So who Christ is in the light of the resurrection is the second Adam, the first fruit, the only king, and the father's subject. Congregation, as you know, this is the third sermon on 1 Corinthians 15. It is about the resurrection, right? So important in theology, in the Bible, and also for the Apostle Paul. He really takes the time to explain things, and he goes deep this morning about the resurrection. New Christ is, and what he did, and what he will not do, and what he will do finally at the end. In the first part of this chapter we found that the Apostle Paul was emphasizing that there were witnesses of the resurrection. He mentioned James, and he mentioned also the Apostle Peter, Cephas, and he mentions the twelve, and he mentions the five hundred, and he said, just ask those people yourself. Ask, ask yourself, they're still alive. What they've seen, if they're sure. So he wanted to emphasize that there is proof of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Go talk to those people yourself. He also has been reasoning in the second part of this chapter. And he has said, you know, if there's no resurrection, then the preaching is vain. Then your faith is vain. Then we have been lying to you. That you are your sins yet, then the dead have perished, and we are most miserable of all men. And we have also turned it around, right? Remember? If there is no resurrection, faith is vain. But there is a resurrection, so faith is not vain. And preaching is not vain. And God's people are not most miserable. This Christ has risen. So he's talking about witnesses, and he's been reasoning that the resurrection must be true. And then in our text, in verse 20, he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. We will combine that with another text later. And then verse 22 and 23. 
or rather 21 and 22. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In that first part of this third section, he's talked about the second Adam. The second Adam. The children know who the first Adam is, right? The first Adam, one of the most shocking verses in the Bible. You just you just quiet by Elam. Is in Genesis three. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired by man to make, to make one wise, she took of the fruit off. She took it and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Horrible. We're not supposed to. The consequence was so serious. They were warned. And they did it. And Adam was he representing mankind. He's the first Adam, the first Adam in the covenant of works, we call it. God had made a covenant with mankind and said, if you obey me, you will have eternal life. You may be in paradise and eat of the tree of life. But if you eat of this forbidden tree, you will die, your wife will die, your children will die, your grandchildren will die, and mankind will die. Don't do it. The Lord commanded man, saying, if every tree, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In Hebrew it says, you will die death. Which is an indication of very strong emphasis. You will certainly die. Have no doubt about that. Adam, if you sin against me, entire mankind you represent will die. Physically, spiritually, eternally. And yet they did it. Absurd and foolish and dumb. And therefore, we read a little further. The curse in the sweat of thy face shall eat bread till thou return unto the ground. To me, return to the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for thus thou art, and unto thus shalt thou return. So we, we were nothing before our conception. We're nowhere. And then we will also disappear. Our bodies will disappear. And return unto dust. How humbling. Adam's sin is our sin. What Adam did is on our account. You may say as young people... I don't agree with that. That's not fair. It is absolutely 
strange. I cannot not, not, not accept that. Adam did it. I didn't. I didn't sin. I did not eat that fruit. But you know, God has organized mankind that way. That the sin of one is the sin of all. But it will do that. But it will organize mankind like that. Oh, there's so much wisdom behind that. So much wisdom behind that. Because that means that the, the, the sin of one affects mankind and means that a second Adam could be really beneficial for mankind as well. So let me just say it plainly, young friends, if, you're, if you disagree that the sin of Adam is not our account, if you say it can be, think it through. Then the righteousness of the Lord Jesus cannot become yours either. If it's, if it's not fair that Adam's sin is your sin, then, then it's not fair either that Jesus' righteousness is your righteousness. You, you can't disagree with one and, dis- and agree with the other. But now, since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. See that? that the second man, the second Adam, so because by the first Adam, his sin is, becomes our sin, the, in, with the second Adam, his resurrection becomes our resurrection by faith for God's people. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The covenant of works is behind you, also the covenant of grace. In the covenant of grace, the Lord has said the covenant of works has been broken. People cannot be saved by the covenant of works anymore. They've ruined it. So the Lord had a second covenant already from eternity. And that covenant means that there is a second Adam, a new Adam, a later Adam. And that Adam is doing the work the first Adam was supposed to do. The first Adam ruined it. And the second Adam said, I will do it. The first Adam sinned against all God's commandments, in fact. And the second Adam did not sin against any commandment. And through the first Adam, we all die. And through the second Adam, we can be saved. What a wonder. That for this necessary to become part of that covenant of grace. In that covenant of grace, by the way, the Lord offers sinners not salvation by good works, that is the covenant of works. In in the second covenant, the covenant of grace, the Lord promises salvation for free, without works. By faith only. Not works, by faith. And faith is doing nothing. 
and then the Lord will deliver. So the first Adam worked hard, and therefore he ruined, the, he ruined things, rather, he ruined things, and the second Adam was perfect, and he gives his rights away, and also gives faith to the elect. It says all here. For as in Adam all die, that's right, all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Yes, when we are in Christ. This word all in the Bible has different meanings. And sometimes it means all them in that context. And that's also the case here. So all God's people shall be made alive because of the second Adam. The first Adam ruined it. The second Adam did it. And the children know, right, what that means. If someone takes the place of, if your teacher is sick and there is a substitute teacher, right? So there is a first Adam and he can't do it anymore. And the Lord says, I will provide a substitute Adam, a second Adam, and he will do it. And that is our Lord Jesus. He is the second Adam. He said, I come. Adam ruined it. I will come. I will do it. And I will give life to my people. And I will resurrect them from the dead. Adam brought into death, and it saved him till it lives out of left, out there. So we, re- we really need that Redeemer. We are not automatically in the second Adam. We are automatically in the first. Sure, we are automatically in the first Adam. But in order to become in this, into the second and into the second Adam, we need a wonder. We need regeneration. So I would encourage you to think this through for yourself. You are under the first Adam. Are you also in the second Adam? What does the second Adam mean to you? Do you need a substitute or not? Do you need someone who is solving it and doing it? Because you didn't. And I know there are people among us tonight, this morning, who have come to the conclusion that they are guilty. That they are not able to help themselves. And they have been concerned. And they have been been seeking a solution. And they have found a second Adam. And it was so precious to them, right? A second Adam. He said, I come to do thy will, O God. And thy laws in my inner part. And God the Father said about that son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this is the same as you will find in Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, 
and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The second Adam, I hope you may know him, love him, adore him, worship him. Let's go to the second thought, the first root, verse 20 and verse 23. But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits, first fruits of the dead, of them that slept. Verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after they that are Christ at his coming. So that needs some explanation. As you know, I'm not a farmer. I've also not been a farmer. And my father is not a farmer either. I think my grandfather was. Great-grandfather, rather. But I can imagine what it will be to be a farmer, young farmer, and to have your farm for the first year. And then your first harvest. You have everything. The land has been planted, and the crop looks great, and... Now it's harvest time. And the first load is coming home. The first load of grain or corn. And you may be, you may be driving the tractor yourself. Maybe you're just standing next to the barn and the tractor is coming in, the first one. The first one. Is that not emotional? I, I would think so. I would just be impressed. The first harvest, the first piece. And so in Israel, they had no tractors, but they had sheaves, right? So there's bundles of wheat, and those bundles were brought home, and also then separated the chaff from the, from the, from, from the grain. But the first sheaf that was harvested had to be brought to the priest. And the priest on the morning after the Sabbath day, so it is on Sunday morning, that's interesting, on Sunday morning, he was weaving it before the Lord. He's holding it, he was weaving it, moving it. And then they burned it, and they sacrificed it unto the Lord. So that was the first fruit. The first fruit harvested. It was a holy thing. And then the rest came afterwards and they could keep that. So the Apostle Paul applies this to Christ. Christ is the first fruit. Christ is harvested by the Lord. And Christ rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. Because he is brought to God. And so the Lord says, so my people follow. I see this in Leviticus 23. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye become into the land which I give unto you and shall reap the harvest thereof, 
Then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And you shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf and the lamb with a blemish of the first year of the burnt offering unto the Lord. First fruit. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. So the Apostle Paul is writing that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is just the first root. Just the, that's important. It's the first root. But so much more will follow. It will not stay like that. It's not so that only the first sheaf and only tractor is, uh, is in. So much more for many more logs, many more logs, many more sheaves shall be running. And so the Lord says, the Lord Jesus is the first fruit, and so many will follow. So many resurrected people at his coming, when the Lord Jesus comes back, at his coming, then the harvest will continue. Not begin, and the harvest will continue. And the Lord will raise all his church to begin with. To begin with. He raises all, all, all his children from the dead. And all those sheep shall be brought in. All those resurrected people are the, are the harvest of the Lord. And does the farmer like harvesting? I think harvesting is even better than sowing, isn't it, than plowing. Harvesting is the result, right? And so the Lord is harvesting his people. And he will just have all these people in the garner, in, 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 in barn, in, in, in heaven, on the earth, rather. So when we see the Lord Jesus rising from the dead, we have to keep in mind he is just a first fruit. So much more is to follow. And we see that we're first uh, often in the Bible. Let me show you. There's some different accents here and there. Romans 8. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even the ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. To wit the redemption of our body. The Lord is not satisfied with only the souls. He doesn't want the souls of his people. He wants their bodies still. And Lord Jesus became man, right? Why? To save man. And he received a body and soul. To receive body and soul. And Lord Jesus resurrected bodily. Really bodily, not spiritually, but bodily. He rose from the dead. And being, being raised from the dead, he gave eternal life 
For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. It's a different aspect. So the Lord Jesus is the one holy, and also he makes his people holy. Or Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the, first, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. The firstborn, see that? That all things, in all things, he might have the preeminence. So, preeminence, what is, what is, what is preeminence? Is that a difficult word? That is the fame. The fame. When someone is famous, right? So that Christ may be famous. That Christ may be renowned. That the Lord Jesus may be important. That have the preeminence. That, our, that he be our focal point. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things, and among all things, he may have the preeminence. The Apostle Paul is emphasizing that. Christ, the preeminence. Christ, the fame. Christ deserves it. Christ needs all the attention. Christ needs the adored. He is the first fruit after all. Do you? Have you? Ever? Adored him? And looked upon him? Did he have the preeminence for you? That you said there is nobody kinder, sweeter, more powerful, that you received something of the fellowship with him, that he became so suitable, so necessary, so precious, he became the preeminence. You know, the Lord does that by working in the heart that need, that great need for the Savior, that great need because I cannot bring any harvest in. Because I cannot please the Lord in any shape or form. And then having a second Adam provided. Having son who is the first fruit. And then to rejoice in him. Revelation 1 verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Do we even hear it? The first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. And to him that loved us. And washed us from our sins. In his own blood. Then that's the purpose. The purpose of the Apostle Paul writing this is that people will just be stunned. That the church of God will be adoring him because he is the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and oh what the depth and washed us from our sins in his own blood first begotten first raised 
first fruit. Someone says, that's not right. Some smart child, he says, some smart young people say, Lazarus was before him. The daughter of Jairus was resurrected before him. The son of the widow of Nain was before him. So it's not true. He wasn't the first one. Christ was the first. The other ones have been resuscitated, but not resurrected. Resuscitated, but what's the difference then? But when you are resuscitated, then you come back into that old mortal body again. You have to die again. Like Lazarus, he rose from the dead, but he had to die again. Because he was not resurrected, he was resuscitated. But the Lord Jesus was resurrected and received an immortal body. And in such a body, the church will live forever. They will be not resuscitated, they will be resurrected. So think about that. Third thought, the only king, verse 24 through 27. It's getting a little difficult now, but I think you will be able to receive, to, to understand the, 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 the lines. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. So the Lord Jesus will give up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power. Lord Jesus will put it down, not his own power, not his own authority, but of the enemies. Right? And when he... And, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign. We'll talk about that. In what sense he reigns? Till he has put all enemies under his feet. When did he do that? Did he do that already? For he has put, he has put all things under his feet. But when he sees all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. The only king. Then cometh the end. That's a crucial beginning of verse 24. Then cometh the end. That is the end of the world. Some people have different opinions on that. It says that, that, that's the end of the resurrection. No, no, no. That's in the context the end of the world. And at the end of the world, at the second coming of Christ, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority, for he must reign. What it comes down to is this. The Lord Jesus has, or is, king in three different ways. 
Uh, there's no difficult. In what ways is the Lord Jesus king? But he is the co-creator. He created the universe with the Father. It's his kingdom. The universe is the Lord Jesus, not. Will he ever give that kingdom away? How can he? Secondly, the king of the Lord Jesus is his people. His people are his kingdom. He is not giving that away ever. But there's also a third way in which Christ is king. I never have seen that really. But you know that is the benefit of studying a chapter like this. The Lord Jesus received a special power and authority temporarily over the whole universe and all things happening on the day of his ascension. And he went to the right hand of God the Father. And he reigns from there. And him is given all power in heaven and on earth. And in the power of the Lord Jesus, no, 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 not the second person. Yes. On the right hand of the Father is the raised, resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The God-man. Not the second person. Of course, connect to the second person. But the second person is not sitting on the right hand of the Father. But the second person in the Lord Jesus. With his human nature. With the human nature he suffered in. And he rose with. That, that human nature, he conquered sin with. That human nature that he was willing to save. And in that sense, he reigns right now. So you would say, whatever. What's the difference? We already knew that there was a providence. You already knew that the Lord Jesus reigns forever. It's all faith in his hands, and nothing happens without his will. Right? You know how Hyperkatic is in Lord's Day 9 and 10. All things in his hands. We do that. That God governs and holds on to things. Nothing happens by chance. We do that. Right. But you knew that of God. And now you hear a detail you may not have known. And the detail is that God governs everything since the ascension day until the end that he governs at that time period through his son.
you will see why is it important. God wants the glory for that. God has revealed himself this way. The Lord has said. His will. And that is precious, right? Precious that the Lord Jesus is in complete church and everything. And that him, him is given all the power. In fact, this is a quote from Psalm 8 and Psalm 110. Because I read in Psalm 8, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. I would not have known that Psalm 8 was a messianic psalm if it would not have been quoted here in 1 Corinthians 15. All things are subject under him. So right now, the raised, the resurrected, the physical Lord Jesus in his human nature is in heaven. And from there he governs all things. Because the Father has put all things in his hands. And that's why you need to be at his feet. Not the feet of God the Father in the first place. Because God the Father refers you to his son. And he says, it's in him. You have to be there. You have to be at his feet. The resurrected Savior. And him is given all power, so he governs all things. And you may take refuge unto him and say, Lord Jesus, I heard that thou art the address. I heard thy address. I, I hear in the Bible that all power is given unto thee. And cry out unto him and seek your salvation in him. Because the Father has said, Seek it in him. And has put all things under his feet, Ephesians 1.22, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. It's in, in more places. And Hebrews 2, 2, 2 verse 8 Thus put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. We don't see it yet. But all things are, 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 are in his power. So they're safe there. You can trust that. Nothing is going wrong. The Lord Jesus with his resurrected body, is the right hand of the Father, and he received all the power, and he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Who is gone into heaven, and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. That is 1 Peter 3.22. See, I, I quote it again. Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, 
angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And not only the enemies, and not only the animal things, the things with the will and with life, even all things, all things, no limits are in his hands. Except only. All things are under the feet of Jesus, except one. Right? He has put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest, it's clear that he is accepted. Who is he? The Father. But when he saith all things they put under him, it is manifest that he, that God, is accepted, which did put all things under him. Because God the Father put all things under him, under Jesus. So Jesus has all things under him, under him except the Father, who puts all things under him. It is what the Lord has written, right? We may think this is too deep or too complicated or not interesting. But you know, it's, it's in the Bible, so it must be important. There must be something sweet in there and important in there and something God glorifying it. So I would say contemplate on that, that the Lord Jesus has all things under his feet until the end. And when the end comes, the resurrection of the rest, right? Then Lord Jesus will give that kingdom back to the Father. Not the kingdom of the universe, not the kingdom of his people, but that kingship and kingdom from the ascension day to the end. The time period that all things are under his feet. That there comes an end to that. And then the Lord Jesus will give it back to his Father. Last thought. The fourth thought is the Father's subject. We cannot understand, we cannot possibly understand the Holy Trinity. Because the Father being the first person, the Lord Jesus being the second, and the Holy Spirit the third. Is the Father more important than the Son? More important than the Holy Spirit? No. All divine. The three persons in the Holy Godhead. And yet it's an order. An order. The Lord Jesus was born from the Father, the firstborn, the first begotten of the Father. And we don't read anywhere else Anywhere that the Holy Spirit is born, he was given, he was issued from the Father and the Son. So God the Father has given his only begotten Son into the human flesh, not the other way around. 
quite important. There's no deceit. In verse 27b and 28. But when he sees all things that are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. We talk about that. And when all things shall be subdued unto him. So when he's finished, you see, the Lord Jesus is still working. Some smart young person may say, he said it's finished. So he did not have to do anything else anymore. It was finished. He, he said himself on the cross. He wasn't. He wasn't finished. He was finished with his suffering. He was finished with paying the price. He did not have to give more blood. Or he had appeased the wrath of God. But he was not finished in the sense that he had saved all his people. He, had, he was not finished in the this, in this sense that he had not, uh, he didn't have to do anything anymore. On the right hand of Father, he continued to make intercession to reign, to govern all things, and to put all things under him. And at the very last, when the end comes, then the Lord Jesus can say, it's finished. Then you'll be finished. And then he will give all things back to the Father. Back to the Father. That that kingdom in that special sense, right? He will give back to the Father. So an example, example for the children. There was a king, and he had a dear son, and they're very close. And that son had the same blood as his father, king, right? The same family and had the same authority, and he was the heir even of the father. And then a war broke out. And the father king said to his son, I give you the authority to go with the army and to fight the enemy. I give you that authority. And that son went out in the war, that prince, and he conquered the enemy, and he came back to his father, and he said, I did it. I conquered him. He gave the authority back to his father. No, I'm not talking about the work the Lord Jesus did on, on earth. I'm talking about the work the Lord Jesus is doing now in heaven. And he is the captain. And he is the general. And and he is the leader. And he is in the war against all the enemies. He is still conquering. He's still conquering. Still fighting. Until all things have been subdued unto him. And then 
at the end, he will give the kingdom back to the Father. So, you say, kind of new to me. I have the same feeling. Kind of new to me. Always new things in the Bible. But the Lord Jesus wants the honor of that. He wants the acknowledgement of that. He wants us to call upon him for mission work and for all things happening and for the Ukraine and for the Russian people suffering. So we need to call upon his name and say, Lord Jesus, resurrected Lord Jesus at the right hand of the Father. We call upon thy name even for political problems in his life. For everything. Because all things, all things are in his hands. So you don't have to fear either, right? You, you, you might say, it goes completely wrong. It's, it's getting out of hand. It isn't. It isn't going out of hand. The Lord Jesus is on the right hand of the Father in his, with his resurrected body. And he was given all power. He has not given it back yet. And then someday at the end he will give it back. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That God may be all in all. Listening. Do we believe that there will be pantheism? Do we believe in pantheism that all things will be united with God and they'll be divine themselves? So that we just, everything, everything will be God. Because God will be all in all. It's all God. Everything will be God. No. I, I don't know exactly how to, how to put it. But it is most perfect fellowship with God. God will be everything to everyone. God will be just so glorified. And manifest himself in people. Be such a unity. Compare the three times. Compare the time before the fall, with after the fall, with after the second coming. And think of the words possible and impossible. So maybe the children can memorize this. And uh, see at home what you still remember. Before the fall, it was possible not to sin. Right? Can you remember that? Before the fall, it was possible not to sin. And after the fall, it was not possible not to sin. You know, before the fall, it was possible not to sin. After the fall, it was not possible not to sin. 
And then when the Lord Jesus comes back, and he gives the things back to his father, it will be not possible to sin. You know? Possible not to sin. Not possible not to sin. And not possible to sin. It'll be eternity. Not possible to sin. And God will be all in all. And he will have his people in the day of his power. And don't forget that the enemies will not be annihilated. And don't think that Satan will not exist anymore. They will be subdued. And they will suffer. There will be a hell as well. So although it says all things, God be all in all, yet there is also hell and the lake of fire. Christ is the second Adam. You need him. The substitute Adam. Christ is the first fruit. And the rest follows. Certainly follows. And Christ is the only king. In his resurrected body. Together with the soul and his divine nature. He is the right hand of the Father. He, just, he, he still governs and he continues with his work. And we have hope for that reason. Also hope for the young, young, young people. And the Lord Jesus has been so willing to come to this earth. He, I am, to do that will. And after his death, he was willing to continue working at the right hand of the Father. And at the end, no problem. He could give it all back to his Father. And then God will be all in all. Will you be part of it? Amen.